lecture seven part one of christian patience by william bernard ullathorne this librivox recording is in the public domain lecture seven on patience as the perfecter of our daily duties part one that on good ground are they who in a good and very good heart hearing the word keep it and bring forth fruit in patience st luke chapter eight verse fifteen that perfection of life consists in doing our ordinary actions well is one of the wisest maxims of the saints those duties make up the chief sum of our lives during the time allotted to us in this world as we owe our life and time to god the good christian has duties at all hours even the time which is properly given to recreation and health bestowing repose requires to be regulated by the virtues and therefore comes under the name of duty and that all the more because it is the time most exposed to insidious temptations it is seldom that we are called upon to do great actions or to endure great sufferings but when the hour arrives for them we shall be able to go through them in a great and generous spirit in proportion to the perfection with which we perform our daily duties the perfection of our ordinary actions depends on high motives good will and cheerful patience high motives give them their value before god good will makes them vigorous cheerful patience makes them orderly peaceful effective and pleasant for what gives our actions their value before god is not their visible magnitude their publicity or brilliancy but the purity and elevation of their motives and the generosity with which they follow the light and comply with the will of god they are ennobled by the sacrifice of nature to grace hence the poor man who goes to his daily toils with good will and cheerful patience for the love of god is a much nobler person in the sight of god than the man who from mere human motives shines with splendid actions in the sight of the world the one acts on a divine principle the other on a human one the one has his heart with god the other with the world the one has god for his friend the other has the applause of men the one may have a rude exterior but is inwardly refined by converse with god and his saints the other may have the outward polish of social life whilst his interior is a moral chaos the love of god dignifies the humblest work and the humblest workman what a breath and elevation belongs to the soul that can unite the lowest work that is done on this earth with the highest motive that reigns in heaven by his incarnation and human life the son of god has glorified the lowest things of human life and labour that are undertaken for god's sake labour thus motivated has received a special dignity from the patient toils of the son of god in the workshop of joseph how the humble things of god confound the proud judgments of the world that pagan philosopher was not far wrong who when asked what god was doing replied 
he is putting down high things and lifting up low things words that remind us of the whole tenor of the sublime magnificat we may accept it as a principle that whatever we do is perfect in proportion to the self-possession with which we do it and that self-possession is proportion to patience let us first take the labours of the mind st zeno observes with great truth that without patience we can neither learn nor teach it will even compensate for certain deficiencies in the power of apprehension and will greatly help the power of memory whether we learn from men books or things it is the virtue of patience that steadies attention and frees the mind from what interferes with or disturbs attention painstaking in short is patience it is patience that gives to insight the ability to penetrate through the details of a subject to its principle and this is the act of study first to reach the principle of the subject through the details of its statement and then by the light of the principle to understand the details and hold them in the mind as they stand related to that principle for to learn a subject thoroughly is to possess it in the mind in that order in which it exists and to know it by the principles on which it depends for it is the first principle of each subject that sheds light upon all the details that belong to it and when that is possessed by the mind it is not difficult to understand and remember the whole but without a good deal of patient attention it is impossible to ascend from details to their principle and to carry the light of that principle throughout the details understanding is proportioned to attention and reflection memory is equally proportioned to attention and reflection in his celebrated treatise on man buffon insists that patience is the foundation of genius some undiscovered truth looms obscurely and as from a distance on the mind thus far it is little better than a vague and indistinct conjecture the mind looks and looks waits and waits in patient expectation of more light at last light suddenly flashes on the understanding and your pen cannot go fast enough to record the discovery we should rather say with plato that genius is an original power of apprehension and that patience is the discipline in virtue of which that power of apprehension obtains its success sir isaac newton ascribed his success in discovery to the protracted patience which enabled him to think longer on a subject than other men had done when asked by what means he had arrived at his discoveries he replied i keep the subject constantly before me and wait till the first dawning opens slowly by little and little into a full and clear light again in a letter to dr bentley he says if i have done the public any service in this way it is due to nothing but industry and patient thought the greatest defect in modern teachers of science even in our own schools is the neglect to teach their pupils the right use of their faculties 
this was done in the college where the writer was trained some sixty years ago by occasional visits of professors to the students in their rooms when both logical and moral methods were explained in a kindly way and adapted to each one's capacity and progress such kindly visits were always an enjoyable relief as well as a friendly help the patience required of a good teacher is proverbial such a teacher requires a double patience patience with his pupils and patience with himself unless he have patience with his pupils he will never get at the measure of their capacity or attainments will never put them at their ease secure their attention or control their restlessness he must have patience above all with dull and irresponsive heads leading them step by step as far as they can go and not expecting from them what is beyond their power he must also remember that where their will is good they often suffer much from the consciousness of their deficiencies and require encouragement rather than further humiliation but when pride accompanies superior intelligence it is apt to be unjustly harsh and discouraging the quick-witted oftener require the bridle than the spur to save them from overrunning their subject or turning their minds into devious paths unless the teacher have patience with himself he will be unable to secure the respectful attention of his pupils and will commit notable errors against method in his teaching he must keep back much of his knowledge and not let it come before its time that is when his hearers are prepared for its reception knowledge communicated before it can be knitted into the knowledge already possessed perplexes and confuses the mind and gives occasion to discouragement hence great thinkers are seldom well suited to teach the elements of knowledge their own last thoughts occupying them much more than the first thoughts of their pupils both kinds of patience are essential to sound judgment in teaching a cheerful patience conciliates attention and awakens interest a kind and genial patience inspires affectionate confidence and is the best means of securing a loving and industrious response to the labors of the teacher young people are quick to discern where strength of will is covered by a kind and sympathetic interest in their progress and on both sides attention and painstaking are proportioned to the kindly patience which the teacher possesses and inspires in those higher branches of study where abstruse science is concerned the true professor will not confine himself to his lectures but will take a kindly interest in each one's progress and give him those private helps which may enable him to use his mind to the best advantage it is wonderful how much a slow mind may be encouraged by such help and sympathy in every occupation and pursuit success depends on taking pains but painstaking is only another word for patient and persevering industry which always costs more or less of pain to our nature this pain arises from the restraint imposed upon the restless senses 
from the resistance that attention gives to the tendency of the mind to wonder and from the fatigue resulting from the tension of the nerves and faculties after a certain length of time whatever may be the aptitude for any special pursuit be it study art teaching management government or manual work of whatever kind the chief moral ingredient of painstaking is patience it may therefore be taken as a maxim that every work is perfect in proportion to the amount of patience put into it here we have all the difference in art between mechanical and manual productions beyond the original design of the inventor what is produced by machinery is as dead as the machine itself whilst manual work vibrates with the life mind and imagination of the artist and offers some expression of the loving patience given to the work the one is a material the other a moral production and what delights us in the last is the expression which it conveys to us of mind will and feeling in his description of the virtue of patience st bonaventure includes the willing and unconquerable endurance of labour with a view to the eternal glory this implies the putting of the christian virtues into our work in their due proportion to its character nothing however trifling can be done well without good judgment there are fifty ways of doing anything but only one perfect way judgment is an act both of mind and will of mind considering of will deciding what is best but nothing is rightly judged where personal fancies or selfish feelings are allowed to mix in the consideration of it they warp the judgment and confuse the object under consideration whether in work in employments in the management of affairs in doing justice to others or in the offices of kindness and charity patience is required to secure sound judgment nature is always inclined to hurry to run before judgment and avoid the least pain of suspense but grace is deliberate and conscious of responsibility keeping down selfish feelings and excitements that deliberation may be just and prudent to work with judgment is to work with intelligence but this implies thinking before acting and delaying when needful until the right way of acting is understood to work fruitfully is to work with a patient will fretful haste damages both the work and the workman there is no healthy energy without endurance haste is waste and there is much truth in the adage the more haste the less speed lord bacon gives the saying of a shrewd old man of business who whenever he saw any one in restless hurry over his work interposed with the remark wait a little there is no time to lose all good work bears upon it the impress of judgment painstaking and patience and everything we do reacts upon our own moral character what we do well is embalmed with the motives and virtues with which it is done what we do poorly or reluctantly leaves us personally all the poorer 
patience is especially needed where some knot or entanglement comes up in our work for when we are in the swing and content of our employment such interruptions are apt to worry and tease the mind and put us out of time and temper the very triviality of such unexpected impediments becomes a cause of annoyance and will interrupt our calmness with irritation and impatience it offends our self-complacency to be stopped by trifles in the full course of action and calls for a little more patience than at the time we are willing to give but let this be observed that those rubs and teasing impediments are valuable moments for self-discipline and that to use them well is no trifling thing they who are patient with obstacles will be patient when the work runs smoothly such hindrances are in the nature of the work and there is no reason for being offended with them although many people like unreasoning children get angry over the innocent work when the fault is in themselves end of lecture seven part one